Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. Amen. Today is going to be an interesting sermon. I don't even have uh, my computer up here because this is not really a sermon. This is going to be one of those days where a pastor just kind of talks to you from his heart for a few minutes, okay? This is a, this is a, uh, so we're all pretty much home folk. I'm just going to talk to you from our heart. And uh, got a cool little illustration. You might laugh a little bit, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's at the Passmore house, it's a transition season. So I don't like to you know, I don't want to just be, this is all about Chester, but I need to, it's an illustration of what I want to talk about today. We're sending our kids, like Lacey said, back to school, and uh, it matters how we send them out. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so it matters, um, if I go back to, if you was here last week, it matters that they fly straight. It matters that they're not crooked or bent or uh, that they fly all wobbly. It matters that, that out of the bow that they come and fly straight and they're able to hit the target. So the first thing I want to remind you of is that our children are not ours. Whose are they? Let's say it one more time. Whose are they? This is like the Sunday school answer. We can never get it wrong if you just say Jesus, right? <laughs> like Jesus. Our children are not ours. They're, they're God's. Matter of fact, the Lord's really been speaking to me lately about this Samuel generation, this generation coming up right now, the Samuel generation. That there was a woman named Hannah. I mean, I know this story. And Hannah was barren and prayed and prayed and prayed that she would have a child. And finally, she became pregnant. And the first thing she did was take that baby and dedicate him back to the Lord because the baby Samuel belonged to the Lord. And he was able to hear the voice of the Lord and turn Israel back around. Amen? And so the point is, is like, Children aren't ours. They are entrusted into our care, right? But they don't belong to me. I don't get to do with them as I see fit. Are y'all out there this morning? I don't don't get to do with them. They belong to God. And how I steward their lives is not a reflection of me as a parent. It's a reflection of me as a believer. Y'all didn't hear what I said. How I steward my children is not a reflection of me as a parent. It's a reflection of what I actually believe about God. So if God came down and handed you, you know, golden, not golden, like rubies from heaven, right? Like these precious jewels from heaven and said, I'm going to hand these to you. I don't want you to take care of them. And I'm going to come for them again one day. Okay? And I need you to steward these well. You could take you could take these gems and you would protect them and you would and you would make sure they're safe and you would um, and you would uh, not just hide the talent but you would do something with it and produce something out of it and then when he came looking for an account you'd present him something uh, back to him that was more than he gave you that's the principle of the talents and the point is is that whenever God gives us children we're in a place of stewardship over our children to present them back to God and say. Uh, I, I did I was I faithful with what you gave me? So the problem is, is too much ownership on parents' part over the lives of our children. You don't like that, do you? Because they're gods. I don't get to raise them the way I want to be raised. 
the way. Uh, in other words, I don't get to raise them the opposite of how I was raised because I didn't like how I was raised. I get to raise them according to the standards of the principles of the Word of God, and that's the final authority. My opinion on how children should be raised really stops with the Word of God. And so um, this is kind of a a different thing that, you know, most pastors don't get up and talk about. And I'm not saying this because I think I'm cool, because I really don't think I'm cool. Somebody say amen. I saw that, Raylan. (laughs) You're a good church person. Amen, pastor. Amen. But, you know, uh, it's no secret. I've got a few tattoos. I'm not going to hell. Somebody say amen, and one person went, mm. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to hell. I'm probably going to heaven, you know. Um, so, probably. probably going to heaven. And, and welcome to church at the army. Anyway, so, I got a couple, I got, I got a few tattoos. One of them is right here, and, you know, I'm not going to show it to you, because that would be weird. Okay, I would be going to hell at that point. So, it's right here. And the tattoo is three arrows, and they're kind of crisscross like this. Okay, they're kind of crisscrossed like that, and they got ribbon running through them. The, the arrows are black and white. Come here, Missy. Hold up your hold up your hand. And this is kind of what they look like. It's an arrow, and this arrow actually, um, this arrow is like the points from one of these arrows, and the shafts from one different arrow, and the feathers are from a different arrow, and they represent all three arrows. And all the three arrows tattooed on my leg represent each one of my children. Lexi, Hannah, Chad, right? And there's this ribbon that runs through them, and it's got their names in it, and it's got a scripture reference of Psalm 127. We're going to read Psalm 127, okay? Psalm 127 says this. Verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, when you have children, when you get married, actually, you begin the process of building a house for the Lord, a home. A marriage that turns into a family, you're building a house for the Lord. It's not your house. What did Joshua say? As for me and my house, we will, it's, we serve the Lord. Like, this is God's house. Like, it, it doesn't belong to me. It's the Lord's house, okay? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who builds it, okay? So you can do everything you read in every book about parenting and all that kind of stuff. If you don't have the Lord in it, you labor in vain, Y'all okay out there today? You can do everything. You can go to the best psychologist. and I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against any of that. But you can do everything you can do to think about how to raise children the right way in a crazy, screwed-up world. But if you do all of it perfectly, but God's not in it, unless the Lord's not showing you how to build and showing you what to do and how to, how to raise these children, okay, and how to build this house, you labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city. One of the things we do, one of the primary uh, functions and concerns of parents is that we guard our children, right? We protect them from this crazy jacked up world. Amen? Amen. And say, you can do everything in your, in your power to try to protect our families and protect our children, but unless the Lord guards the city. Unless you put God on, on watch. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen, they keep waiting. You stay up all night. The watchmen... You can stay up all night worrying, fretting, thinking about your children, but unless the Lord watches over you, this city. That makes sense? You understand what I'm saying? So I'll keep on going. Verse 2. 
It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Verse 3. Behold, children, if you want, well, pastor, where is proof that they're not ours? They're a gift from the Lord. He entrusts the gift into our care. Right? Right? So they're a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. God didn't punish you by making you pregnant, ma'am. I thought y'all would laugh more at that. <laughs> but you know, it's like God didn't like, okay, God didn't, like, gift, children are a reward. If you're, if you're a parent and you don't see children as a reward, if you see them as a nuisance, if you see them as a problem, if you see them as an inconvenience, 100% they're an inconvenience. What a rewarding inconvenience it is. Amen? Children, let me ask you this. If God, if God came down from heaven in your house and had this treasure box full of treasures from heaven, imagine Matt, what it looked like diamonds and rubies and gold and like some kind of special dust that granted your every wish, right? And he came out with this box and he set it in your hands and said, there's a gift from heaven. You'd be like, oh, this is wonderful, right? And you would treasure this treasure. That's exactly what children are. As he puts this treasure in your hands, this gift. But it's not just so you can have it and, you know, and just do what you want with it. It's, it's actually the next verse, verse 4. Like arrows in the hand, in, the, in that word, there, uh, a lot of translations say a skilled warrior. In other words, shooters of the bow who not only know how to shoot, hit their target, who not only know how to tune their bow, who know how to build really good flying arrows that hit where they're pointed. And that's the point of today's sermon. Like arrows in the hand of a skilled warrior. In other words, the skilled warrior knows how to build arrows that God will use, look at me, to win the war. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you want to know what our hope is? Youth pastors should shout me down right now. Our hope is the next generation shot out of this bow. What's the hope for America? Well, the hope is Jesus Christ, but Christ in the next generation who can fix everything we've screwed up. Shot out of a bow, but you can knock any old arrow, but it doesn't mean it's going to fly right. You have a skilled warrior knows how to build good flying Really, I don't want to use the word perfect as if I'm saying perfect children, but perfectly tuned arrows that know how to hit the mark. That's parenting. Arrow building. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. Verse 5. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. This is not the time where I'm saying lean over to your spouse and say, we need to have more children. <laughs> okay? Uh, what, uh, nobody's talking about Lacey. But anyway, the point is, is like, uh, the blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Right? And so, look at me. Whether you have, what, what, you know, and everybody's quiver may be different size. I'm saying, but when you have a quiver full of children, Amanda, this is a blessing from God. Right? And we see it as a blessing. We see it as a gift. We see it as a reward. And we also see it as a weapon to take down hell. Yeah. Amen. That's our children. 
They're not failures and they're not they're not screw-ups and they're not these things that we're trying to, to, to just hope that they don't grow up. Look, if, if, oh. if the hope for your children is they don't grow up to be like you, you've missed the point. Well, I just hope they don't get pregnant and go get drunk. And I just hope they don't do all these things that, that I struggle with. That's not the hope. To, to be slightly better than you is not the hope for your children. The hope is to be a perfectly tuned arrow that can strike the heart of the enemy and do wonders for God's kingdom. That's the hope for our children. And if you settle for any standard less than that. Right? Y'all with me, parents? If you settle for any standard less than an arrow built that knows how to hit the bullseye, then I think on some level, if I'm just being very blunt, it was, it was not really great stewardship of what God entrusted to you. Amen. Does that make sense? So, how blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, they will not be ashamed... Amen? A lot of shame exists, even in this room as I talk about this. There's people who, you're like, yes, this is awesome. People like, there's a sense of shame because maybe you feel like you failed as a parent. You see what I'm saying? Whenever our children don't grow up and like hit the bullseye, there's sense, there's, how many of you experience experienced shame in, in, as, as parents? And you're like, man, I just, I wish maybe I'd have done better. Or, you see what I'm saying? So, so you go, they will not be ashamed for when they speak. See, out of his mouth, Jesus comes to... So the speaking, they shoot darts. They shoot arrows out of their mouth and they speak things into existence. And they had to, what they would do at the enemy, at the gate, is they would negotiate with their enemy and, and negotiate peace. With, and that makes sense. Not like a bartering system where they would like, look, you're not coming in here. Like, you need to go. And they, and they, would, they would literally, they would guard the city through Christ, and negotiate peace. That makes sense? And so the idea, the idea is that we build these arrows. And come here. Come here, Mr. T. Come here, Jonathan. Basically, I wanted these guys to shoot a bow. That way, if I missed, it would not, if they miss, it's, not, it's their fault. And if I miss, it, you know. So grab a bow, boys. Now, Cabanera. Oh, Jonathan's got to put on his glove. He's got girly fingers. <laughs> oh, sorry. All right. Now, they're going to shoot this target over here. Unless anybody wants to volunteer with an apple. No. <laughs> Stand right here, Mr. T. Now, shoot that target. Woo! Isn't that cool? That feels great, doesn't it? It's like, how many are nervous right now? Raise your hand. Okay, how many are like, this is cool? Like, nobody's like, no, this is, no, 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 no. Like, is, does that thing derail? Does it automatically turn? Go, hit it, Jonathan. Hit it, Jonathan. You need an arrow? Here you go. Give me a Y'all are nervous. Y'all step forward a little bit. Let everybody see you real good. Good shot. Hit, you hit foam. All right, now come here. All right, come here, Mr. T. Come here, Mr. T. Now. Pull it back, aiming at the target, but don't fire it. Now, hang on a second. Like arrows in the hand of a skilled warrior, okay, 
And you, the raising of your children is the putting of tension on their life. And hold it. After a while, this gets uncomfortable. Don't let go. Hold it. The raising of your children is a constant act of tension. Let down. A lot of parents are doing everything they can do to avoid the tension. And the tension is literally the thing that builds energy into their life that can hit the target. You understand what I'm saying to you? One more time. Pull it back. Shoot the, shoot, shoot the, shoot the target. Don't miss. Okay, good job. All right. So, good job. Mr. T is a real man. He built his own bow one time, went out to, where was it, Mexico or New Mexico? Colorado and killed an elk with his homemade bow. I am not a man. That's a man, okay? So, so, uh, so the point is, the point is, is, you know, when they're little and you're, and you're come here, and grab one more arrow, pull it back like an inch and hold it. When they're little, oh, yeah, see. That was funny, wasn't it? Pull it back like an inch and hold it. That's not, not a lot of tension on the string there. Like, life's not that hard when they're little. I mean, yeah, it's, it's inconvenient, but Missy takes care of it, right? So my, the point is, is like, the point is, like, the, when, when they're little, it's not a big deal, okay? And then pull it back a little bit more, but not a whole lot. Okay, now they're toddlers, and the end of everything is getting a little harder, right? And then pull it back a little bit more, and now they're in preteen age, and they're, they're discovering they have a mouth that can talk back to you, right? All right, and they pull it back a little bit more, and, and the, the, the older they get, the closer you get to having to release them into the world. Uh, lay it down. I really, really, as, as, as a guy who's been a youth pastor for like nine or ten years of his, of his ministry career, I always hated the negative connotation about raising teenagers. Well, teenagers are hard, and they just make life hard. And, well, well, yeah, there's more tension because you're getting closer to releasing them. What kind of arrow are you building? Y'all with me? You can be seated. For Y'all can be seated. Give him a hand. Good job. Chad, where are you at? Come here, buddy. Hey, have, let Chad have a bow. We're about to buy the building, so this is okay. Chad, try to hit the target. Sit down, Chad. Let me have that before you hurt somebody. Y'all are not going to forget this sermon for a while, are you? Do y'all get the point? Do y'all get the point? Do you get the point of what it means to like to think that children are able to figure it out on their own? That you don't have to sit there and coach them and teach them and parent them and perfect their, the skill inside of them. That you don't have to. That you can just kind of let YouTube raise your children and let the world raise your children. Just not be involved and active, and you don't have to have them uh, in the presence of the Lord. You can just let them. He can't even pull the bow back with the arrow flopping everywhere. And, and how many of y'all knew he was going to miss? Why? Because 
I did, even though Chad shoots a bow a lot, not that kind of bow, but I knew he was going to miss, okay? I didn't tell him the miss. Did I tell you the miss? We, talk, we didn't even talk about this, okay? Because the, here's the point. We, we're like trying to shoot our, we're like trying to do this without fine-tuning and crafting the skill of raising up this child, and then we wonder why they missed the mark. And there's damage. Parenting's important. Parenting is important. Most of the time when you miss, you know, this one I think fared pretty good. Most of the time when you miss, it really damages the arrow. There is, it'll, it'll probably be bent, or a lot of times the, the, the broadhead, it will be broke off, or, you know, it's not like it'll really damage the arrow. Misses aren't, uh, well, it's no big deal. We'll just figure it out next time. Misses cost you something. Y'all out there? I'm t- so here I am, Chester and Missy. And, you know, stand up, Lexi. No, sit back down, Lexi. Stand up, Chad. Like, Hale, like Lacey was talking about, this Wednesday, we'll shoot this kid off into the sophomore year of high school. Praying and hoping and believing that what we've done from zero to 16 years of age is enough to get him at least to fly straight enough. I guarantee you, if you ask, and, I, and I, look at me, I'm being sweet, okay? I'm being kind. I'm being, I'm being gentle. But I guarantee you, if you ask Chad, stand up, Chad. I ain't done with you, boy. I've got to straighten that error out. But I guarantee if I ask, I say, even at 16 years old, Chad, do you feel like we brought you to church too much in your life? I've, I've never had my kids go, man, Dad, I just don't want to go to church anymore. getting quiet up in hell. Did I make them go to youth too much, Chad? This, this, this is a good illustration. I'm, look, I am, everybody take a deep breath. Calm down, okay? This last Wednesday, they got a new tennis coach. The old one, he, he quit, right, with, with two weeks before season starts. Chad plays tennis. They got this new coach. The new coach sets a new practice schedule. Practice schedule is Mondays and Wednesdays from 6 to 8. I never told Chad what to do. He, he texted his coach and said, I will not be there Wednesday night. Why? Because it's more important that this arrow flies straight. That is the most important thing. Are you saying they can't fly straight if they don't go to church on a Wednesday? I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's legalism. I'm not saying if they ever miss for something. But I'm saying, I'm saying I didn't tell him what to do. He did it on his own. Because he, because he, he, he instinctively has been ingrained in him from the time a little boy. This is who we are. This is what we do. We're not producing professional athletes. We're producing men and women of God who know how to take out the kingdom of darkness. I know that doesn't sit well with some people, and I'm not saying you have to be legalistic about it, but I'm saying take care of what kind of arrow you build. Yes. Sit down, Chad. So we're going to launch him into uh, we're going to launch him into his, his sophomore year. He's you know three quarters of the way pulled back on the bow. There's some tension there. I don't understand why his room looks the way it does all the time, right? There's some tension. I don't understand why uh, you know he he tends to smart off every once in a while, and we have to straighten the arrow out a little bit, amen. And so there's some tension there, but 
here's what I'm thinking. I'm not thinking like I'm thinking about the girls right now. I'm thinking I got three more years to turn a young man into a full-grown man. Or a damage-doing arrow to the kingdom of darkness. Y'all out there? Now, next. Actually, I'm going to skip here and go to Lexi. Lexi, stand up. Lexi. Lexi, praise God, got engaged two weeks ago. Man, the tension on that bow is high right now. We're pulling some poundage. When you think about the idea, all you people with young kids, listen to me. When you think about the idea of this is the last summer she lives in my house. This will be the last Christmas where she lives in my house. And on May 18th next year, we'll release an arrow that really ain't coming back in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know, we're changing the locks. We're, we're releasing an arrow that at that point, look at me, at that point, Honestly, by that point, but at this point, all tuning on the arrow is pretty much done. Really, most 90% of your tuning on your arrow is done at about the age of 10 to 12. You hear what I'm saying? Like what you instill, this is why, again, I'm not trying to be, uh, uh, I'm just what I'm saying. When Miss Jackie's sick today, type A flu, y'all pray for her. She's real sick, okay? But this is why whenever those children aren't in children's church learning the Bible stories, getting that foundation, you know what I'm talking about? The, the, uh, who is Noah? Right now, a month long on the story of Noah. Uh, uh, Noah? Jonah, my bad. Who is Jonah? Okay, I don't even know. I didn't go to children's church. My, my, my point is, I'm kidding. right? But that, that foundation, well, it, the foundation is optional in your mind, but you don't understand those are the most formative years in a child's life that they need to have that foundation of who God is, what his stories are, his testimonies of how he's been faithful. And whenever we don't have that, it is super difficult to tune the arrow late in their teenage years if they don't have the beginning, if, the, if, if you don't start with a straight shaft. You understand what I'm saying? And so, and so, um, and so you need to have your kids in children's church. Amen. You need to be doing spiritual things at home with your little children. Like praying and reading the scripture and, and discipline them after the word of God. We'll talk about discipline maybe in a little bit. It depends on how the room feels right now. It's kind of cold. Anyway, so, um, but the point is, it's like 20, she'll be 22-ish years old. And there will be a lot of tension on that string. And the moment that I stand with her by my side. And the preacher says, who gives this woman to marry this man? And I say, her mother and I. And at that moment, I want to know more than anything else, what kind of arrow did I build? So we live, we live, everybody's like, you know, Facebook and uh, Instagram uh, pop psychology is like, live in the moment, right? Don't take, and all that kind of stuff. But really, you need to, you need to have a big vision of your children's life because the moment's getting you off track because you're only living to pacify a momentary uh, uh, desire in your child's heart rather than to build an arrow for the long haul. So, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll go next Saturday. Go to OBU and we'll shoot her back into the campus and she finishes her senior year of college. Amen. Yeah, good job, Lexi. Have a seat. Stand up, Lexi. Hannah. Today. 
You know, we might get done just a little early, but today we'll go home. We'll eat some cracked chicken out of the crock pot in like 10 minutes, and we'll get in our cars, and we'll drive over to Monticello, and when we come home, we'll be one less passenger. And I'll pull back the bow, and we'll let go if we, put, if we drop Hannah out for college today. Okay, good job, Hannah. Great girl. Yeah, 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 right? You know what the question in my mind is? The question in my mind is, I, I literally asked you this a week ago on Saturday. We're sitting at the table, and I'm like, Hannah, do we do a good job? Because <laughs> I'm starting to ask these questions, parents, of myself. Did I do? Was I faithful? Was I a good steward over what God entrusted me? And what kind of arrow did I build? Are y'all out there today? Amen. What kind of arrow did I build? And so when I launch her today, now I know with, with these kids, I got a pretty good feeling that they're going to do some damage in the kingdom of darkness. They're going to do, the gates of hell will not prevail, and they're going to do some damage. But you want to know, you can go, you can go, go back to verse one for me, brother. You can go, well, dad, you're a good dad. You can go, mom, you're a good mom. And those things may have some truth to them, especially on Missy's part. But you want to know the best thing we ever did as parents Let the Lord build that. We make God a priority, Amen. not an option when every other option wasn't available. When, not the option when were, all the other options weren't available. That make, am I making sense? Like God wasn't what you did whenever, you, whenever every other option made room for God. God was what we did as the first option. Yes. Church, we, we, uh, again, I know I'm saying, sit down, Hannah. I know I'm sounding like I'm, you know, this is old-timey, Chester. You're just being old-timey. Maybe we need some old-timey, don't we? You know, Sunday afternoon, we like to go, you know, it's, it's nice to go home and take your Sunday afternoon nap, and it's nice to go home and relax and just just chill and not have to do anything, right? Not not us. And I don't mean that, like, I'm not, this is not prideful. I'm just saying God's number one. So last Sunday afternoon, at about 5.30, we went to a group of uh, a house, a house church meeting. We sat down, handed down in a chair at the end of our meeting, and everybody in the room went around and prophesied over her. And the words came forth to build her faith and because we're shooting her right now. So tell me how important your nap was on Sunday afternoon. You see what I'm saying? Like how important is... is uh, one, of my, one of my pet peeves is people will miss church with their family and go, family time. And family time's often described as we all sat at home and everybody stayed in the room and everybody was on some kind of screen and we didn't really do anything. As a family, we just relaxed. And we thought that was more important than being in the house of God or being around believers or our, our personal relaxation. And, and see, I know I'm sounding legalistic, and I probably am being a little bit, you know, hardcore this morning, but the idea is I have this mindset of what kind of arrow am I building? Yes. Y'all okay out there? <laughs> so y'all have got young kids, and y'all have got, some of y'all are in the stage where you're just starting to pull back the bow, Hannah and Talon, right? And some of y'all are in the stage where you've got that thing half-cocked, and, man, you got middle-aged kids, and some of y'all are in that stage where you're
you're just about the, the tension on your fingers to let go of the string is just about to pop, and that fix, that, that sucker is going to start flying. Everybody's at a different stage, but my question to you isn't how tense is your situation. How much do you want to escape the intensity of how much pressure is on your life of raising children? My question is you is is your number one concern about shooting an arrow that will do that will do a, a damage to the kingdom of darkness? Uh, sometimes arrows are bent. Right? The scripture talked about a, a crooked road that God comes and does what? Makes straight. Sometimes you gotta you gotta take the bend out. Sometimes you gotta play with different weights at, at the point. Sometimes you gotta do different vein configurations. Sometimes you gotta twist the knot. And there's little, there's always adjustments that we make on our children. Look at me. I'm gonna read a passage of scripture, and I'm not being a, a jerk. Everybody say I'm not being a jerk. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna read a passage of scripture because the tendency I see in parenting today is that that we we're slow to discipline children because we're afraid we're going to damage children. Let's read some scripture. All I'm going to do is read, and I might say a few words, but I think the scripture here is enough. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and, everybody say sin. The scriptures say that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And it's our job as parents to drive it away. My kids, they weren't, they didn't come out of the womb going, Jesus is king. There was foolishness in their hearts, and that foolishness had to be driven away. It's our job to drive away foolishness. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean they're bad when you were born, you had foolishness in your heart. It doesn't make them bad people. But, uh, so, therefore, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin. Everybody say sin. One of my pet peeve uh, statements is that we're not supposed to be sin conscious. It's nowhere in the scripture. That's actually the opposite of what the scripture says. Matter of fact, 1 John, John said, I write these things so that you may not sin. In other words, I want you to think about this and not do it. Now, I think an appropriate statement is you're not supposed to be only sin conscious. If only thing you think about is sin, that's a bad way to be, amen? That's very negative, That's very, but that's very not even what God wants you to be conscious of only. But there's so many, including this scripture, there's so many scriptures that tell us, hey, pay attention to when sin comes because then you got to deal with it. Pay attention when, when there's a bend in that arrow because you got you got to put that sucker back straight. Yeah. That makes sense? So lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which easily entangles us. As adults, how many of y'all can be easily entangled by sin? Raise your hand. Don't lie in the house of God. How much more could a children who's immature in God be entangled in sin? And yet we don't want to deal with sin. See what I'm saying? It's, it's insane. So the point is, it's like when sin, which easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I remember one time, this is sin. I would call this sin. I'd call this a sinful activity. It's called, uh, the sin of pride or selfishness. One time last summer, Hannah and Chad and Ethan had went out to eat. And uh, them suckers sat down at a restaurant, paid for a meal, and walked out of that room and didn't tip. I was appalled. They came home. Did you tip? What do you mean you didn't tip? That person's working for free, and you're okay with that? 
How selfish do you got to be? So what I do? Oh, y'all are bad. You go to your room. No, 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 no. See, in English, if you, if you allow that kind of selfishness to exist in the heart of your child, it will entangle them. So I made them get back in their car, go into the room, get more cash, go back to the car, drive all the way back to the restaurant, hunt down the waitress, and give her a tip. Chester, you're rude. Dang straight, I'm rude. There would be no bend in these arrows. I don't alleviate the tension put on their life. Sometimes I help the tension on their life. Because it's best for them, not what... uh, We'll get there, we'll get there. Go verse 3. Go verse 3. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured. In other words, Jesus is the example, right? Everybody say Jesus is the example. Uh, Endured the cross, despising its shame, sat down at the right hand of God in in, in verse 3. Uh, Keep on going. Verse 3. For consider him, that's Jesus, who endured such hostility by sinners against himself. In other words, his life was tough. We're doing everything in our power to not make life tough on children. And Jesus did everything in his power to take all the toughness on himself. And it's opposite. Like, let your kids experience some hard times. Okay, this is going over great. Okay. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse 4. You have not resisted, resisted what? Sin? To the point of shedding blood, have you? That's what the scripture said. Have you resisted to the point of shedding blood? How many of, you, how many of us taught our kids that the, 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 uh, the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount, that if sin causes, if, if your right eye causes you to sin, we're going to uh, shed, and if you know your right eye causes you to sin, we're going to poke it out. How many of us pacify wrong behavior and sin in our children's life because we don't want them to be uncomfortable? And the Hebrews writer is going, have you all resisted to the point of shedding blood yet? Verse 5. You have forgotten the exhortation by which was addressed to you as sons. There's this picture painted that if we deal with sin, we're not dealing with God as children. We're not dealing as sons. And the, the scripture teaches the exact opposite. Everybody say, as sons. Everybody say, as children. As children of God, do not regard lightly the the, the discipline. Everybody say, discipline. The discipline of the Lord. Don't faint or grow weary when you are reproved by Him. Boys. Hey, nope. Okay? Look at me. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you're reproved by Him. Here's the thing. Look at me. Everybody look at me right here. If you see yourself as a son of God, if you see your children as son of God's, then you have to see discipline as part of the equation. Discipline is not bad. Discipline is good. Every parent, look at me. Every parent, look at me. You're not going to mess your kids up by disciplining them. You will mess your kids up by not disciplining them. Okay? But you're not going to mess your kids up. Um, fear is never a great motivator for parenting. Right? Don't raise your hand, but if you had a really cr- cruddy father or mother and they, uh, they, they crossed the line of discipline and did 
and did more than what, was, what, what should have been done. Uh, the scripture says, don't provoke your children to wrath. But if you fly all the way to the other end of the pendulum, because I don't want to be like my quote-unquote dad or like my quote-unquote mom, but you fly too far another way to the emblem that you don't do this, then you're still not doing good parenting. See, you was trying to avoid bad parenting, and you still have bad parenting because you didn't do it by the Bible, you did it by your heart, your emotion, and undealt with uh, wounds. Y'all going to listen to this again one day? Verse 6. For those whom the Lord loves, he... Raise your hand if you love your kids. One of the greatest signs of a false love is a love that says, I I, I can't discipline you because I love you. It's false love. That's not real love. If you love your kids, you'll discipline them. You know why? Because Jesus, uh, and this word right here, he scourges. This word literally is punishment in the Greek. I don't know how, like literally what the word is, punishment. He punishes every son whom he receives. Y'all like that? (laughs) Children... Get disciplined and punished. Praise God. This is going great. Verse 7. It is discipline. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the father doesn't discipline? God deals with you as sons. What son is there that the father doesn't discipline? Look at me. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a crooked arrow that's being made straight. I'm talking about an arrow that isn't flesh right, that you correct, you discipline, you correct the problem. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about snotting and screaming and just beating kids just because it makes you feel better, right? It may, it may make, you know, you may not like it, but it makes me feel better. I'm not talking about that kind of junk. I'm talking about genuine discipline, even punishment, even correction, even resisting sin till it hurts like the shedding of blood because that's what you do to build a straight arrow. Because look at me, look at me. Because once you get to the point where I'm at today where I'm having to shoot this girl in the college... I'm not sitting here hoping she don't go to parties and get promiscuous, get drunk. You know, I'm not, those thoughts aren't in my mind. Why? Because I took time to discipline that stuff out of her. Sin is like this. It's like, uh, what does the scripture say sin is like? Leaven. And a little bit undealt with, it grows, it grows, it grows, it grows, it grows. You got to deal with it. Amen? Y'all are, y'all are loving this today. Verse 8. But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers. Listen, this is a tough scripture, isn't it? If you're without discipline, which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. I didn't, the writer of Hebrews said that. That, Don't look at me that way. Illegitimate sons are children without discipline. Verse 9, furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us. The scripture says this because it's true, and we respected them. One of the greatest lies we believe is disciplining our children, our children won't like us, won't respect us. 
did I discipline you? Do you respect me? Did I discipline you? Do you respect me? See what I'm saying? <laughs> Jed, do I discipline you? Do you respect me? I've, I'm tough on my kids, y'all. And Anna. I'm tough on my kids. And my kids, Lexi, at 21 years old, will, come, will still come crawl up in my lap. The lie is, if we do this, then their kids are going to, they're not going to like us, and they're not going to want us, and they're going to be afraid of us. Actually, the number one way to build respect is be consistent in discipline with your children. Shall we, much, shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Verse 10. For they discipline us for a short time. It seemed best to them. That's earthly fathers. But he, God, disciplines us for our good. Discipline is for good. Discipline isn't because you don't discipline because they're bad. Like you're bad, so you get disciplined. You discipline because the discipline takes the bad to the good. Does that make sense? So the discipline for us is good that we may share his holiness. Verse 11. All discipline... Look at me. Everybody read this. All discipline at the moment seems not to be joyful. <laughs> right? Like, like, right? That's funny to me. Like the scripture is pointing out the extreme obvious, right? I remember one time my dad told me, um, he told me, uh, it, he told me on, when it comes to my curfew as a teenager that you're not going to be late. If you're one minute late, the doors will be locked. Came home one night, literally like two minutes late. Went to the front door, tried to open the door, click. Just nothing. Just nothing. You know, it's one of the push buttons, just nothing. I'm like, oh, dude. Look at my watch two minutes late. Oh, dude. Oh, no. Oh, you feared your father? No. That's ridiculous. But I knew he was, I knew what he said he meant. So I rang the doorbell. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> rang the doorbell, rang it again, knocked a couple of times. About five or ten minutes later, he comes to the door. I'd woken him up. He says, I'll see you in the morning, 7 a.m. This is a Saturday morning. You got to get to sleep in. Anyway. Comes outside, he's up before I am, come outside, got my shorts, got my t-shirt on, it's middle of summer, it's spring, early summer, and he hands me a spade, a shovel, and he says, I want a garden. So we go around back, and there's, I'm not kidding when I say, from where I'm standing, this, this section right here, he said, I want, he laid it out with some spray paint, said, I want a garden, and hand me a shovel. He said, you are the tiller, turn this whole plot over. Took me hours. Going down, down, It's where I learned how to be a drummer. Anyway, so and so I did that for hours. Turned the whole thing over. I'm hot. I'm sweaty and nasty. I'm tired. There's blisters on my hand. I go back and said, I'm done. After a few hours, I turned the whole thing over. And he said, he said I'll never forget this as long as I live. He said, I changed my mind. I don't want a garden. Turn it all back over. For being two minutes late. Now look at me. I respect my dad almost more than any man on the planet. 
we talk almost daily. The idea that discipline, even like that, would make me not want him is a lie from hell that we would produce really bad arrows. I tell that story now with a smile. I think it's hilarious. I've told that story over and over and over again. I love that story. In the moment, I hated that story. He's a barman chip. Josh don't get treated this way. Josh does whatever he wants. My brother Josh, he does whatever he wants to. He doesn't get in trouble. I get in trouble two minutes late. He was bad. He was two minutes late. I'm murmuring. I'm complaining. I'm backbiting in my head. Right? All this kind of stuff. In the moment, it seemed not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by discipline, afterwards it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness. And it wasn't about being two minutes late. It was about let your yes be yes and your no be no. Like whatever you say, that's the truth. I'm not, we're not playing games here. But when you speak, when Chester, when you're a man and you've got your kids, they better trust that what you say you mean. Yeah. I learned so much from that story. I didn't learn how to hate my father. It's a lie from hell. So, here I am today, driving over to Monticello. I'm not going to cry. Not going to cry. Not going to cry. Nah. My yes is a yes. Not going to cry. I'm going to whimper. Anyway. And I'll... And this is what I think about the arrow. I think this arrow has destiny on it. I think this arrow has calling on it. Not because she's a preacher's kid. But because from the moment she was born to this day, we're actually not even sure if we can check her in today because, listen to me, because she got an email last night saying check-ins from 8 to 12. The website says 8 to 4.30. We may get there and be like, uh, yeah, you're fine. Let me get there. And I'm saying... I'd rather risk it to be here on the day that I launch her. It's just a different way of thinking, y'all. Amen. It's a different way of thinking. These things aren't, these things aren't options. This is, this is what it means to be a past more. This is what it means to be a child of God. This is what we do. This is who we are. So I'm building an arrow that I really believe is going to affect the nations. I'm building an arrow that on a secular college campus, she'll be singing, lifting her voice and praising God. She'll be praying for people. She'll be, she'll be demonstrating what light looks like in the darkness. I'm not shooting an arrow hoping. I hope she don't get drunk next week. And I'm shooting an arrow fully expecting for her to impact hearts and lives for the kingdom of God. I've got, I've got real, I'm not because I'm an expert, not because me and mom are such good parents, but because we made a decision that Jesus was number one. And we're going to shoot this arrow. And I got high expectations and not just hopes. I got expectations of what this life, this arrow that we're shooting today is going to produce. And that process started when she was born. And man, this kid showed out at Walmart one time, screaming, hollering. I could tell you stories. This is the most hard-headed kid I've got, the most stubborn kid I've got. I can tell you stories of how inconvenient it was for Missy and I to uh, straighten out this arrow. It was tense at times. It was tense yesterday. 
got her driver's license. I have to see it. It's expired. You're adulting now. <laughs> see, at our house, we don't avoid the tension. Matter of fact, the more tension you can create and accountability, this is who you are, live up to it. This is who you are, live up to it. This is, this is who you are, live up to it. The more, t- the, I think the farther you can launch an arrow, the more accurate you can be. Does that make sense? So this is on the day that we go back to school. And all those parents, you know, in here, we're, we're shooting our kids in the kindergarten, and you're, you're like, why, God, why, right? Right? Shooting our kids in the first grade and middle school and, and uh, shooting our kids to start high school, right? And there's tension on this arrow. Really, that, that, that thing that Chester feels in his heart, look at me, as he's about to release a string, it's not about her, it's about me. It's about what kind of arrow did I build? See, it's too late for me to, to go back to rebuilding now. Have I made sense today? Y'all with me? Not only as a parent, but as a church. Let's take Hannah, for example. Been singing on the worship team for you know a couple years now. All the time, Haley and Andrew. I'd send, I'd send Hannah to them sometimes and be like, that girl got stuff she needs to figure it out. Y'all, this is what we pay you to do. <laughs> and they would speak into her life, and she'd come home sometimes and be upset because of the things they would say to her, and I'm like, good, that's tension. That's good for you. Or do you expect to be shot into a world where you'll never experience tension again? Because the people in the world are going to treat you much better than the people in the church. All these excuses about church people when I can't go to church because church people, and I'm like, okay, because the world's doing it much better. And hey, Hannah and Talon was she was over there last night and 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 enjoying Cohen, and they're they're pouring into her life. And like I said last Sunday night, uh, Nick and Shelly prophesying over her, and it's not just mom and dad who are shooting her; it's Church at the Armory who have taken the time when every time she hit a bad note. To love her through all her worship mishaps and when she didn't come in the right places in the song and to be benefits of her gift but also to be patient with her gift, to let it develop. And we're shooting her as a church. And when, like I said, when she's over there and she's in, she's in a secular college in a, Christmas, a Christian club and she's leading worship over there and, and, and they're going, what is this? That's you having played a part in developing that arrow that will be shot forth in Monticello. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? It's we as a church do this. So every kid, adult, that is going back to school this week, get up and come to the front. Hannah, will you play on the keyboard a little bit? All of them come back. To, if you're working in school, if you're a kid going to school, one of these days, Chris will be running the schools. Come on, we got teachers. We got administrators. Y'all go that way and spread out as far as you can.
Isn't this cool? Isn't that a pretty sight? Look at me, church. We're starting the 2023 year off. Starting 2023 year off. We're shooting our kids back into the school system, right? Back into the world, whatever you want to say. Look at me. What did we do this year to build that arrow? Like, how are you feeling about shooting your kid out in there? Right? Every Wednesday night was preparation. Every Sunday morning was preparation. Every prayer at your dinner table was preparation. Every time you used the word of God to bring instruction to your house was preparation. Every time they saw you struggle and you turned to God, that that was preparation. They've been watching and they're growing and how these arrows are going to fly. So everybody stand up. Y'all spread way out. Y'all spread way out. I want you to get out of your seat. And I want you to come and just lay hand on their shoulder. I just want you to pray for them. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart, just bless them. Just bless them and pray for them this morning. So right now, all of y'all, come on out of your seat and come to the front and just begin to lay your hands on them and bless these kids as we send them back to school. And these teachers, these administrators, arrow builders themselves, they're up here.